G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. In the late 18th century, William Wilberforce was converted. Almost single-handedly, he broke the shackles of slavery. People there were just totally different. We are looking at the footprint of God over the last 2,000 years. Since the Roman legion destroyed Jerusalem in the year 70 AD, the Jewish people have a nation of their own. And he said, well, no, Randy, we're not all just faking it. There is a living hope, and his name is Jesus. And I believe that that's really why you're here. Christ died for us. History Makers. Hi and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with Steve Addison. He's an author and a strategist in church planning, an inspirational speaker. I've seen him a couple of times. Welcome to the program, Steve. How are you? Uh, good to be here, Matt, and I'm, I'm doing well. It's great to hear from you. Now let's hear a bit of your story. Whereabouts were you born and raised? I was born and raised in uh, Sydney. My parents were returned missionaries from Papua New Guinea. Wow, okay. And you had a religious upbringing then. Did you, did you come to faith at, at a young age? Or? Well, I got a, a bit messed up. So why, why is the, the pastor's uh, son so messed up? It's because he's been hanging out with the deacons and elders kids. <laughs> and uh, so my dad was uh, a pastor after they came back from PNG in, in Ryde, built the Baptist church there. And... About 17, I came back to faith. We'd moved down to Melbourne, and uh, I, I was interested in a, an, a, an attractive girl, and uh, so went away on um, this large youth event up in Belgrave Heights and, and, and heard a, a guy called John Smith of the God Squad speak and, uh, and came to Christ. You know, I'd sort of grown up with a faith, but I'd, I'd really thrown it in 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 those teenage years, sort of leading up to that commitment at 17. So you started following the girl and left her behind and started to follow well, God. She, she <laughs> must have heard I was coming on the event because she never turned up. <laughs> and uh, so a youth leader by the name of Peter Hall, he uh, took an interest in me. And there I was standing up the back of the auditorium. There's about 3,000 young people there. And I was really struck at... Um, you know, one of the guys in particular that come with John Smith, and he looked like one of the meanest guys I'd ever seen. And he was an outlaw bikey who'd come to know Christ. And I just said, well, Lord, you know, if you're there and you can change this guy, then, you know, change me. What a great testimony. And did everyone notice the change in your life after that? They did. Uh, although I, I had a few turbulent years as a believer. And so um, I found myself at about age 20 where I'd been as much in the faith as out of the faith running from it. Not because I didn't believe it was true, but because, you know, I just had some personal struggles, some battles with uh, depression as a, as a young person. And uh, it wasn't really until about age 20 that I said to God, okay, even if you never fix my problems, uh, I'm going to follow you because it's right, it's true, these things are real. And so I, I came to that surrender 
you know, towards God. And, and that's when my life really began to change. And tell us about your early career. What kind of work were you doing? Well, I, I started uh, uh, an economics degree uh, and, then, and then walked away from it um, because of some of those struggles that I was having leading up to, you know, uh, age 20. And um, so I dropped out. I worked as a cleaner and as a, as a labourer. And then um, I, I met a man by the name of uh, Bill Hallam, who had come to know Christ on the hippie trail, but in in the in the 70s between you know London and New Delhi and Kathmandu, and uh, through a ministry that Floyd and Sally McClung set up called Billaram House. And I thought I came back to Christ through Bill, and and said, well, these these people that helped bring you to Christ? Have they got anywhere where people can get trained and sorted out? So a few months later, I found myself uh, halfway around the world uh, in, uh, in Holland at a training school and then ended up a couple of years on a, in, in an outreach community on the Ark in Amsterdam. You know, a couple of houseboats that were moored together there behind the Central Railway Station. And uh, that's when I, I began to sort of live out that lordship in, in my life and began to see God not only change me, but, you know, for the first time ever, I, I saw people far from God coming to know Christ and, and getting their lives put back together. So it was a wonderful experience. I'm really curious to find out a bit about uh, the heart of your ministry. I, I heard you speak mm-hmm. recently and, and was so inspired uh, your first book you wrote uh, was Movements That Change the World, Five Keys yeah. to Spreading the Gospel. Tell us the heart of this ministry. Okay, at, at the heart really is that we would learn to do in the power of the Holy Spirit what Jesus did. And so it's rediscovering what it means for um, our faith to be a dynamic missionary movement that's uh, Going to, going to spread the gospel and make disciples and multiply disciples and churches all, all over the place. And um, so it was really as a church planter, I came to that um, conviction that it's not about just settled churches and about doing church, it's about winning the world. And um, so, you know, we've been involved in church planting and then helping others plant churches. And then uh, the books have come out of my field experience and study of the scriptures and um, church history, whenever we've seen multiplying movements of disciples and churches. So that first book is sort of the paradigm shift to understand movements. And then I wrote another book, uh, What Jesus Started, and that's all about um, how can we do what Jesus did and, and do it in a relevant way today and so learn to do what he did and what he trained his disciples to do. You're really talking about uh, how Jesus was relational in the way that he shared the good news. Uh, he, he called people to come and become disciples, and, and really that's what's happening in, uh, in China in the underground church. It's what's happening in India. Uh, there are people coming to Christ who then go and lead others to Christ, and they make mm-hmm. disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Is that the heart of your message? Yeah, Jesus was both relational and intentional. I mean, Matthew tells us that uh, he visited every single town and village in Galilee, and there's almost 200 of those. Um, Wherever he goes, 
he's reaching out broadly and he's looking for people who are, who are willing to lay down their lives and follow him. Um, and he's turning them immediately into missionaries, into their world. So, and that's certainly what's happening uh, right not in China and in India, uh, throughout Africa, South America, and we're rediscovering it in the West. Why aren't we seeing it in the West? I mean, there, there are a lot of people who are Christians in the West that have never shared their mm. faith, that have never led someone to the Lord and don't know what it is to make a disciple. Why have we strayed so far in the West? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One is we've, we've made uh, discipleship a very complicated thing that's done, done by professionals to us, you know, for Jesus and for wherever these movements are multiplying, it's simply, you know, Matthew 28, uh, where people are uh, making disciples of the nations by going, by baptizing them, and by teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded. So we just sit down with a brand new disciple and we help them read the stories about Jesus and take a step of obedience. It's important that it's obeying what Jesus taught. So we've made it far too complicated. We've made it the job of professionals uh, rather than every believer. The other reason is in the West we've lost confidence in, in the Bible and in the gospel. You know, one reason why people can't, aren't coming to faith in the West is because we're not sharing with them. Uh, we're feeling like that's something we should do after about six months of living a perfect life. Uh, so we never do it. Um, and so we're learning to, to love people and share the gospel with people up front and early. And when we do that, we, we see fruit in people's lives. I'd love to know some examples that you've seen where this is working. Obviously, you've traveled the world, and I know you spend a lot of time in the UK. You've spent a lot of time in Asia. You've traveled all over the place. Give us some examples of where you've seen these kind of movements just grow exponentially. Mm. Well, we're, we're catching up in the West in terms of exponential, although there are um, some early signs of that in parts of Europe and in the U.S. When you say working, what we've discovered is the gospel works. Mm. There aren't any bells and whistles to add to it. You know, I mean, we can shape the packages or whatever that the gospel comes in, but God's work, word never returns void. Um, and so one of the things that works effectively is simply uh, up front and early to, to, to talk to people about spiritual things and to sit down and read the Bible together. So I'm, I'm thinking in South Africa, in um, Cape Town, there's, a, there's a, a 10-year-old girl who's been reading the Bible with her schoolmates since she was eight. And, uh, and she has disciples in her school. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of um, the grandma that my, my wife, Michelle, trained here in Melbourne, and she got to, to just approach this lollipop lady on the school crossing who she'd been walking past for years and just stopped and introduced herself and said, hey, I'm looking to read the Bible with someone. Would you be interested? And the lollipop lady said yes, and she came to Christ and got baptized and added to a church. So wherever ordinary people are taking the, the initiative, we're seeing fruit. 
there's dramatic multiplication in places like North India and Nepal amongst uh, Iranians. There are more movements, multiplying movements amongst Muslims around the world today than there have been in, in all of the 1400 years previous. So this is the norm outside the West, and we're beginning to see the early signs that it can happen here. I love this simple idea of just asking someone, hey, I'm looking for someone to read the Bible with. Mm. Can I meet with you sometime? I remember yeah. uh, Tim O'Neill, a mutual friend of ours from mm. Tail Race Centre, a church based in Tasmania. He challenged me and a, and a bunch of other pastors to do this a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, we have a soup kitchen for the homeless. And I went into one of the homeless shelters and uh, just met with a young guy and said, hey, I'm looking for someone to read the Bible with. Mm. Can I mm. come in on Wednesday lunchtime? He said, yeah, sure. So I met him. And uh, he's actually a, a homosexual guy uh, who lost his partner mm. to AIDS last year. Uh, mm. He's an ice addict and has been really struggling in life. And yeah. he said, yeah, I'd love to. So we, we met to start reading through the Gospel of Mark together. Mm. And mm. he invited three other people from the homeless shelter yeah. and said, you've got to come and we're going to read the Bible. Let's do it. And he became my greatest uh, asset in that homeless shelter, mm. inviting people mm. to come uh, you know, to yeah. the soup kitchen. And uh, he said, thank you for taking the time to read the Bible with me. I now am starting to understand it. And he ended up giving mm. his life to Christ. Wow. Um, it really is that simple, isn't it? Just stepping out and saying, hey, can we read the Bible together? Yes, Matt. I, what I say, it's simple and it's profound. Mm. Because God's Word is alive. Yeah. It, cha- it does the work. There's a time for upfront teaching. But I would imagine when you sat down and read with him... You became a participant. You asked, and we have a set of just helpful questions to ask people. We outline that in in the books so that the the Word is speaking into people's lives and and we're with them as, as we're all taking the next step of obedience in following Christ. So that, that Discovery Bible approach uh, uh, seems to be the building block or the engine room of movements now all around the world. Isn't that wonderful? And would you recommend uh, one of the Gospels in particular to start reading through? Look, uh, I started I started with an atheist once, and we, we started reading through Mark. Uh, it's, it's a shorter Gospel. Uh, we have, in some of our training, we, we give people um, seven stories of hope, so different encounters Jesus had with different people. For Muslims, there's a story set that that takes people uh, from creation to Christ to give them the whole world view. So there are a few story sets out there. Um, You know, if people want to uh, visit movements.net, there'll be some options there. That uh, that's the website that I run, or they can ask questions that way. The important thing is to make a start to choose bite-sized pieces of scripture. Not to fall into the, the, the teaching mode, but let be discovery and, and find a set of questions that, that are easily memorable and, and help promote discussion. Well, it's been wonderful to be able to catch up with you today, and I really believe that uh, your, your message is so simple that we just need to get out there, ask people if we can read the Bible with them, and start that journey of discipleship. And uh, many people will cross the line of faith at some stage uh, because yeah. the, the Word of God is alive and it speaks mm. to people where, where they're at, doesn't it? It does. And 
delight in your weakness. If you feel, you know, I don't have all the answers and so on, just remember Paul said we have this treasure of the gospel in earthen vessels. That's wonderful. Well, if people want want to find out more details, the website is movements.net, and you can search uh, there, uh, find those books from Steve Addison about movements that are changing the world. Absolutely awesome. Uh, I reckon you're a history maker, Steve. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. There you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. And you can find out about History Makers TV. We are a faith-based ministry and we appreciate every donation. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations of the world. If you'd like to partner with us, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater. And why don't you go and make history? History Makers. History Makers is proudly sponsored by Bible League, who serve the local church and other partners around the world by providing Bibles, scripture materials and training to help people meet Jesus. They provide God's word to a lost and needy world. Bible League plants Bibles in prisons, among persecuted Christians and in poor nations, bringing the love and light of Christ into many people's lives around the world. Make history today by joining our friends at Bible League and planting a Bible that will help someone meet Jesus. Go to bl.org.au. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.